Thank you, Grace. We're looking forward to hearing about your summer camp, but thank you for the excellent leadership that you give there. I'm going to move this water. I know I'll kick it over. Um, it's great to have you here today. As Joe said, if you're a guest, please pop by the foyer. We have a, a gift for you today, and um, we'd love to get the chances to visit with you for a second as well. Uh, we're going to take a pause from our normal teaching series. We've been working through the parables of Jesus, and we're going to pause that today and just kind of talk a little bit, not so much a Father's Day message, but just kind of a message that I hope is um, equally applicable to, to all of us. I know that when it comes to church world, sometimes Mother's Day is like, you know, here's God, then there's mom, then there's Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and we spend lots of time rightfully so honoring our mothers. Very, very, very important. Um, but then when it comes to Father's Day, it kind of feels a little bit more like, hey, Dad, wipe the chips off your shirt, get up off the couch, and go learn the names of your children. You know, this kind of tends to be a bit of the theme of, of Father's Day, but we won't, we won't go there today. I hope that today... Um, is, is helpful to, to all of us. And special for me today, because my dad is here today as well on Father's Day, so it's great to have him here. He'll pay me back for that later. I want to set the tone by reading uh, for us a passage of Scripture from Genesis chapter 1, just a few verses to kind of set the tone about what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, Genesis chapter 1, the creation story, just the first five verses, and it goes like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning the first day. And this would continue six more times throughout the book of Genesis. God would speak and something would be created. God would speak and something that didn't exist before would be created. Um, there's this, the world was formless and it was void, it was shapeless and it was chaotic. And God speaks and he makes something beautiful from the chaos. Light, land, animals and everything that he created he said, was good. Then he creates you and I, and he says that it was very good. Not only that, the psalmist would say that you and I are wonderfully and beautifully made. Paul in the book of Ephesians would say that we are God's masterpieces, his poema, his works of art. But imagine the ability to be able to create something out of nothing simply with your words. You're at work, it's lunchtime, you're hungry, Am I really going to pop over to the convenience store? You speak in lunch. You're cooking something and you realize you're missing an ingredient. You have a choice. I can just kind of leave it out and hope nobody notices. Or I can speak and suddenly the tomato, it's there that I needed for this recipe. Uh, you're invited to an event. You're told there's going to be some good-looking people there that you might meet. You show up. There's no good-looking people there and we'll leave it at that. But you get the idea. The ability to create something out of nothing with our words. What I want to talk about today is the fact we actually do have that ability. We have the ability to speak. And as we speak words, we create. And we create something that maybe didn't exist or something that needs to be reaffirmed. Not light, not planets, not frogs. But we've given the ability to use our words to create things that are so powerful that they can change a human 
life. I want us to look today at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Just this, this one verse, you'll see it on the screen here. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Surely the, or the Proverbs writer is exaggerating. Words can't truly kill and make life, can they? Can you think of examples where someone has said something and it's killed something? It's injured something? It's devalued something? It's taken something that was flourishing and put an end to it, something that was going really well and put a stop to it, someone who was vibrant and growing and it shut them down, someone who was confident and it created doubt, someone who was finally starting to make some progress in their life, and someone said a word and it sidelined them. Can you think of examples? Maybe examples from your own life. Maybe you remember a word that was spoken to you in elementary school or middle school, and it's been 15 or 20 years, but you still remember the pain of receiving that word in your life. Maybe it was a boss or a coworker. Maybe it was a friend who said something. When I meet with couples to do kind of marriage counseling, one of the things that we always need to do is sort through all the things that have been said to each other during the years of their difficulties and try to sort them all out because we hold on to them. They stick we remember them because words create. And sometimes in people's lives, they create doubt, they create pain, they create separation, and doubts, words can kill things. They can kill friendships, they can kill relationships, and they can kill careers. I was talking to someone the other day who was saying, you know, um, they knew this person, they thought they really liked each other, they thought, you know, that they had a decent friendship. And then they found out that someone had said something rude about them behind their back. And she said, it was like a whole world was created in front of me, that this person had all these feelings about me that I had no idea about, and now it's changed the relationship completely. The book of James speaks powerfully about using our words well, reminding people that in the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes a grand speeches, but a tiny spark that can set a great forest on fire. And we have images in our mind of just that. And so Jesus beautifully taught that if you don't like the things that are coming out of your mouth, there's hope for you. And the hope isn't in changing your words. The hope is actually in changing your heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if we don't like what we're saying, if someone pushes us or in a moment of anger we say something and it catches us off guard, what we said seemed even meaner and harmer or harsher than we could have ever imagined that we would say we pause and we recognize that didn't come from our mouth, it came from our hearts. And if we want to change it, the power of God to change our hearts is the answer. That in the same way that God spoke over the chaos in creation and brought order and beauty, so he speaks over the chaos and brokenness of our lives and brings the healing we need so that our hearts can be changed and so our words can be changed. Now, when we think about this Proverbs 18, we think about it almost always in the negative, uh, that words can kill, that words can harm. But I want us to fo focus today on the words being positive. How many of you remember, and I remember this from youth group days, um, a teaching on the power of words using a tube of toothpaste? Does anybody remember this? You squeeze a tube of toothpaste, and just as you, the toothpaste comes out of the tube and you can't put it back in and you're encouraged to try it, and it makes this enormous mess, uh, the, the analogy being in the same way, once 
once you speak your words, you can't put them back. But it's always kind of directed towards the negative. But think of that towards the positive. That when you speak a life-giving word to somebody, it can't be taken back either. And it has the power to revive, to rejuvenate, to heal, and to to direct someone's life. There's this image in the creation story where it says, God picks up Adam and he breathes the breath of life into his lungs, making him alive. And in the same way, our words have the opportunity to bring life to people, to bring life to people. Even in Romans, it reminds us that with our words, we can move from death to life in faith. If we would confess Jesus with our lips, that he is Lord, that we will become his child. But I think about it today, the power to use your words to bring life in the relationships that matter most to you, in the lives of other people. It's Father's Day today, and um, one of the great gifts that we as fathers have, as gifts that we as parents have, is how we use our words in our homes. And parents, every study, every study shows the exact same thing that your words matter most and have the most weight in the life of your kids. And it's not just at the age of 1 and 2 and 15 and 20, but even in the age of 50 and 70, your words have the greatest weight and impact in the life of your kids. Someone once said that in, in the leadership circles that the leader's words weigh 500 pounds. Parents, our words weigh 500 pounds in the life of our kids too thinking about that from the positive, the opportunity that we have to use our words to create life, to create hope, to move forward, to encourage and to instill confidence. Here's what I know. You might have the opportunity to be speaking to your child and they may not be looking at you or making eye contact with you. They might be on their phone. They may not respond to your texts. You might call them. They may never pick up, ever. You might wonder if they've blocked your calls. And you may start to get the message or the impression, my words don't matter in their life. Nothing could be further from the truth. In every study where they interviewed kids, they all say the same thing. My parents' words have the greatest weight and influence in our lives. And so, let's use them. Say the things you want to say. Express your love for them again and again and again until they roll their eyes and call to get a restraining order against you. Go over the top. Don't be reluctant. Don't let them have any doubt in their mind how you feel about them. It doesn't matter the circumstance in their life. So what life do you want to breathe into your kids? What do you want to create in their life that doesn't exist now? What kind of things do you want to say to them that will lift them up and set them on the right track? What difference do you want to make with your words? Whether it's your kids, your grandkids, nieces, nephews, parents, friends, co-workers. What doesn't exist now in your life that you want to speak into and encourage? Maybe it's faith or hope or love, confidence, encouragement, meaning, purpose, forgiveness, opportunity, kindness, patience. What is it that you want to speak into their life through your words? Now this proverb ends with these wonderful words. And those who love it, that is, the power that we have with our words will eat its fruit. Those who love it, those who've realized that when I speak in my home or to my friends or in my workplace, I've got influence, I've got opportunity here. Those that put that to those two things together and realize the incredible opportunity that they have, they're going to bear fruit. 
not in their life, but in the lives of the people to whom they're speaking to. When they realize the opportunity that they have, and they say, I'm going to use this for as much as I can, as often as I can, um, day in, day out, to speak into the lives of these people. I'm going to watch to see the fruit that it creates in their life. So let me give you a little homework, because I know you love homework. It's easy. Who, what, and when? Who, what, and when? As I've been talking, rattling on up here today, has there been a name or a face that's come to your mind? You don't have to think about it. You just know, oh, that's the person. That's the who. Maybe you need to think about it. Maybe you need to go into this week kind of prayerfully, just expecting God to kind of point out to the person, who is the person that comes to mind? And then what? What do we want to make absolutely clear to them? What is it? For some, maybe it's this message, I'm not going anywhere. If you're in a relationship that's in a tough patch, maybe you just need to speak the words to them, I'm not going anywhere. We're going to work this out. We're going to figure this out. And you just know, want them to have no questions at all about this. Maybe it's just the powerful phrase, I love you. When's the last time you said that to the people closest to you? Do they know it? Make sure they know it. Leave them with no doubts. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I apologize. What is it that you need to say? And then when? Give yourself a deadline. End of today? End of this coming week? End of the month? June only has two weeks left in it. What will it be? When will you do it? I encourage you to do it. Maybe you're not going to speak it. Maybe you're going to write it not in a text or an email. Write it in a nice card. Do up a nice letter. But find the opportunity to speak the words that have weight and the ability to breathe life into somebody else. I'm going to close just with this uh, story. I got stuck on a little bit of a Bruce Springsteen dive here a few weeks ago, and I was listening to him talk about his relationship with his dad, and he was thinking about his own relationship growing up. He grew up in a very tough home, and he and his dad had a really, really rocky relationship, and he said, as parents, we can act as ghosts or ancestors. He said, ghosts haunt the things that we say, the way we treat our kids that are harsh and difficult, they kind of live with our kids throughout their life and they almost are like ghosts. Or, he said, we can be like ancestors. We can leave them with so many rich memories and so many words in their heart that we spoke into their lives that continue to guide their way even long after we're gone. And he tells the story about when he and his wife were expecting their very first child. They were living in Los Angeles and his mom and dad lived in New Jersey. And one morning he gets up and there's a knock at his door and his dad has come to visit unannounced. He flies across the, across the country, takes a cab, shows up at his home. He invites his dad in. They're sitting there and they're visiting together. And his dad says to him, you know, Bruce, um, you've been really good to us over the years. He's a wealthy, wealthy rock and roll star. He's sending money to mom and dad and helping them with gifts along the way. But then his dad says this, I've not always been good to you. And Bruce says, the thing, that the rift that was between them all those years, he talks about it. He apologizes for it. And he, Bruce says this, in the last day before I was a father, my father visits me to warn me of the mistakes that he had made and to warn me not to make them with my own children. And he says, it's the greatest moment of my life with my dad when he spoke those words over me. It was exactly what I needed. The power 
of words to create. What do you want to create with your words? Let me pray. God, we thank you for this incredible ability, gift that we have been stewarded. We think about the people in our lives that we love so much, that are closest to us, our friends, our family, our coworkers, and the gift that we have to speak a life-giving word into their lives. Lord, life is so challenging. It is so difficult. It can be so disorienting at times. There can be so much confusion, and yet we have the opportunity to give clarity to the people we love about the things that matter most. May we be rich in the use of our life-giving words to the people around us, we pray.